Part nine of Herein is Love by Rule Howe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley. Herein is Love, a study of the biblical doctrine of love in its bearing on personality, parenthood, teaching, and all other human relationships by Rule L. Howe. Part 9. Those Who Would Love We know that we have passed out of death into life, because we love the brethren. 1 John 3.14 Thus far in our discussion we have considered the nature of love, the development of the needs of the individual, and the objectives of love in calling persons into being. Now we turn to a discussion of the lover, or of the person or persons, who are the instruments of that love, such as parents, teachers, ministers, and every man of whatever function. We shall also consider the nature of the relationship in which healing and reconciliation take place, and consider some of its resources. The Power of the Personal the doctrine of the Incarnation, which underlies the whole Christian life, is really the doctrine of the personalization of love. By it is meant the embodiment in man of the life of God, who is love. The Incarnation makes this life personal, and persons, therefore, are of primary importance to its existence and its meaning. In each generation, the Christian is called upon to reaffirm his faith in the power of persons living in relation to God and man. Our own generation has a special need for a reaffirmation of the personal because of our preoccupation with science and technology and with vast space and enormous power. One wonders and hears others wondering, what good is a person? in the face of all these masses, spaces, and complexities. But it was revealed in Christ, and every now and then it is revealed to us afresh, that the whole vast structure of life is dependent upon the power of persons and upon our exercise of the power of the personal. The character of man expressed in his relations with his fellow man will finally determine whether we will use our vast powers creatively or for our destruction. The primary vocation of the Christian in this time is to respond to the call of the person to be personal. The church members, with whose conversation we began this book, seemed oblivious to the personal nature of the church's purpose. They were concerned about substitutes for the personal, about institutions and professional groups, about a legalistic morality, and about knowledge for its own sake. Any one of their concerns, if caught up in the vitality of the personal, could have valuable meaning. Law, as we have seen, has its role, if it is a part of love. Human effort is important as personal response to what God has done for us. Dependence upon the clergy is a part of the life of the church. But the work of the clergy, as we have seen, cannot be a substitute for the ministry of the whole church. The church is important, 
but it does not find its meaning in its isolation from the world and knowledge about god his creation and redemption is necessary to the christian life but such knowledge must find its meaning in our living relation with god the recent emphasis on the interpersonal and group process has contributed much to our understandings of the human relationships of christian fellowship as a result of the emphasis a new polarity operates in the life and teaching of the church one pole is the content of the good news the other pole is the encounter between men in which the good news is realized unfortunately the image of the relationship between the encounter and the content of the christian faith has been and still is that of opponents in a battle this concept is erroneous for any dialogue must have content the conversation between two people that is not informed by learning produces nonsense discussion groups have revealed their poverty when they have not been informed by responsible knowledge fellowship for the sake of fellowship becomes tiresome and relationship without good discipline whether in the home or elsewhere becomes chaos and anarchy so there are some disciplines that we need to observe as persons in whom the spirit of god seeks to incarnate his love we need informed christians first if we are to embody and express the love of christ in our generation we must keep our minds alert and our interests alive at this point church people fail in several ways instead of having minds that search for the meaning of life in christian terms they sometimes have minds filled with musty opinions and prejudices an otherwise alert lawyer for example said that he did not want his church to take a stand on any of the great social issues but stick to its subject namely religion this preoccupation with the subject matter of religion apart from its relevance to life is a characteristic failure of many church people as christian churchmen we do not need to be scholars in religion but we should be interested in the issues of life open to new understandings and engaged in some kind of reading or study that will keep us informed and intellectually awake only in this way can we keep ourselves from falling into narrow little ruts and pulling the world in after us a part of our ministry is to participate in and help to keep alive the dialogue between man and man between the church and the world between christian thought and the problems of existence emotional and opinionated thinking about religion values and social issues is appallingly prevalent among religious people the conversations of church members often are pitiful in their concern for the trivial affairs of the local church and institution about its building and organizations its suppers and bazaars what a pathetic and inconsequential way of serving christ he needs instead men and women who are out on the frontiers of modern life representing his message to the world the accomplishment of an intellectually and socially responsible ministry calls for some effort on the part of the local church in the first place the minister will have to preach and teach out of 
the gospel in its relation to life instead of talking so much about religion as an end in itself he ought to talk about life in the context of the teaching of religion the content of his sermons and instructions should be the affairs of men for these raise the questions for which the gospel was given the discussion of religion apart from life produces a laity who in their life in the world are unable to represent the message of the gospel because they do not know that the message of the gospel has any relation to the affairs of life can we hear such laymen say to any minister who might try to speak relevantly to human questions stick to your subject i don't think these things are the business of the church church members as a part of their devotion to christ who had love for the world should try to understand the life of the world in terms of its deepest meanings and not be content with merely its superficial values they will read articles and books and editorials and listen to speeches and forums on television and radio not only that they may be informed but also that they may be informed for god and may serve him better in the world religion that seeks escape from the world and similarly the person who will not assume responsibility for god in the world is sinful and idolatrous protection against this sin and idolatry is partly secured by serving god with our minds and our interests prayer and the life of devotion a second discipline of the responsible christian is the discipline of prayer and devotion we cannot live in relation to god and serve him if we do not communicate with him prayer is one of the indispensable forms of the dialogue between man and man man and god and god and the world unfortunately however many people including some clergymen have given up prayer because it seems unrealistic and unfruitful in this scientific age a part of our trouble may be that we tend to separate our acts of prayer from our life of devotion or to use a concept we have employed earlier we separate the forms of prayers from the vitality which provides the life of devotion both public and private prayer lose their vitality by this separation of form from life and by the separation of god from the world so that we make him the monarch of religion instead of the creator and redeemer of life because of our belief in love as god's chosen relation to the world and in the incarnation of love in the personal it becomes possible for our prayers and worship to be quickened through our devotion to the purposes of god in the world an analogy may help us here every relationship has its devotional rituals and observances which are important to it husband and wife for instance because of their love and devotion to each other develop little rituals and ways of doing that are designed to express their devotion to each other they come together for this purpose there is the kiss the touch of the hand the gifts on special occasions and those which come as surprises there 
physical union is the symbol and instrument of their spiritual union and becomes the sacrament of their relationship as persons but these acts of love presuppose and depend upon their overall and lifelong devotion to each other in everything that they do their life of devotion to each other provides the content and drive for their acts of devotion and their acts of devotion are a means of expressing their life of devotion their life of devotion needs these acts of devotion and without the life of devotion their acts of devotion will dry up and become meaningless so it is in our relation to god we cannot fall on our knees and cry with any meaning o god o father o judge o savior if our whole lives are not lived in the context of the meaning of these exclamations then our words become empty and cannot rise above our lips and we are overcome by the despair and futility of our prayers prayer may not be recovered by going to a school of prayer to learn various techniques and kinds of prayer but by rekindling our devotion to the people and the world for whom christ died then by practicing our acts of devotion in the context of such a life of devotion we may rediscover the meaning of prayer our acts of devotion cannot be quickened by the intensification of our prayer activity alone many people who are frantically trying to whip up their prayer life would do better to get up off their knees and go out and do something about their loveless purposeless and undevoted lives the devotion of the so-called children of darkness to the pursuit of their scientific or industrial purposes may be more impressive than the vain babblings of the so-called children of god about their souls the trivial concerns of some religious people stand in uncomplimentary contrast to the heroism of the researcher's devotion to his project and to the scientist's devotion to his experiment perhaps the purposes of god are more served by them than by us although by them his purposes may not be served consciously how can the life of devotion and the acts of devotion be brought together when employer and labor leader meet to work out the problems of fair employment they may do so either as a necessary part of their business which of course it is or as a way of expressing their devotion to god god's love is concerned with justice between employer and employee and the employer and the labor leader participate in the work of god in the world by their devotion to these problems this is both their way of being responsible businessmen and citizens and their way of loving god and assuming responsibility for him to whatever degree they recognize this as being true they will find satisfaction and meaning in the offering of their effort as an act of reverence to god together with a private prayer for his guidance that each may be open not only to what god is trying to do through him but open also to what he is trying to do through the other in our acts of devotion therefore we pray for a life of devotion in which we may be the instruments of god's purposes in the incarnations of his spirit 
we pray also for others for our children for our pupils for our associates whether they be employees peers or superiors that they too may be incarnations of god's spirit and instruments for the accomplishment of his purpose acts of devotion in the context of this kind of life of devotion change the whole focus of human relations and get them off their self-centered competitive and alienating basis acts of devotion are revitalized by being restored to a relation to the life of devotion and the life of devotion is given an opportunity in acts of devotion to articulate its meaning and to be guided and renewed in the dialogue between god and man as expressed in worship and the union of the acts of devotion with the life of devotion will illumine anew for us the meaning of daily life and our relationship with one another it will improve our dialogue with one another and with god the practice of creativity a third discipline to be practiced by the person through whom the spirit would work is the cultivation of creative activity by the discipline of creativity i mean the discipline of learning and perfecting some skill in art or music or handicraft or sport in which there is opportunity to coordinate motor and mental powers and to gain therefrom some sense of achievement a creative approach to life of course is a part of a life of devotion creative activity is indispensable to the health of the human soul especially in this day when there is an increasing gap between our efforts and their result mothers are often frustrated and unhappy because they do not see immediately in their children the good results of their long and painful efforts in their behalf teachers can work with a pupil for months and years and still not have a clear-cut sense of achievement the man in his office may be but a part of a huge organization and the results of his labors are neither conclusive nor a source of immediate satisfaction to him the researcher may have to work for years before he achieves the results for which he is looking indeed he may never gain them for himself because the work that he does may only lead to the work of others and still others will reap the harvest then there are many engaged in work from which little sense of achievement can be gained and yet it is necessary work and provides them with a living lack of response or delayed response to human effort can be profoundly frustrating to the human spirit and frustrated people do not make good instruments for the expression of love it is imperative therefore that those who would be lovers of man and god should find substitute ways in which to close the gap between their effort and their achievement the person who has a sense of creative outlets is one therefore who has greater powers of endurance patience and courage with which to face the challenges and threats of life he is apt to be more free to love and he will grow old more gracefully the discipline of creative action needs to be planned time needs to be allowed for it 
and those activities chosen which are feasible and appropriate to the person and his circumstances. We can learn to plan ahead so that from time to time we are prepared to undertake new projects. An elderly person of the writer's acquaintance began during his sixties to learn something new each year. The result was that his spirit remained youthful and his interest in life was kept alive. Not only is this kind of activity fun, but also it is a way by which to keep oneself open to the possibilities of life. It becomes a way in which one can live devotionally and realize within himself and in his relations with others the image of the creative God by whom he was created. End of Part 9 Recording by Bill Mosley, Lano County, Texas, USA